Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, coming to you from my home office slash quarantine room slash yeah, everything else. Pretty much where I live these days, just about. As I'm sure many of you are living at your home offices as well these days. With me in a relatively quiet week of Blackhawks hockey, we have the analytics darling of Second City Hockey. It's Shepard Price. Hi. I'm as bored as you are. <laughs> are you though yeah yeah at this point yes i've taken to doing spray paint art so i'd say i'm bored like outside right yes okay it's like i feel like doing that in your basement you're like trying unless you really want to get high of spray paint fumes which hey you got to pass the time somehow right i do not want my parents to kill me so okay well yeah that's fair i guess that's a reasonable thing to have a uh, reasonable goal to set Yep. And also with us tonight, I think you've heard him laughing at Shepard a few times already. It's uh, Brandon Gaines here with us. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about something, maybe. We're, well, we're going to talk about something. Um, I don't know what that thing is going to be, but, you know, I wanted to – obviously we were going to start with the last dance discussion, but apparently Shepard hasn't caught up. Because what else would you be doing, Shepard? Uh, watching Netflix and Disney Plus and Billions. Okay, why – I don't hear any of those things sounding better than a documentary on the 90s Bulls. I wasn't alive for the 90s Bulls, and I've read two books on So? I, I know most of the stuff already. Do you really? Yeah, I, I, all right. It's I two hours. Yeah. You just it's, carve out well, that little I'm, niche I'm, in your life. I'm four hours behind. I'm still in, like, the middle of hour three. Ugh. Well, then how do you know you haven't learned anything new? I learned new things, and I was alive for it. But again, I, I read both Halberstam and Smith on, on and they're like, well, Halberstam I think is gone, but Smith is one of the main main voices in it. So. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there, there's details. Sam Smith was written about the 90-91 season, the first year that they won a title. This is all about, I mean, this is it's covering the entire era. There's a lot, right. a lot more than just that one season. And yeah, we, we I think if you read that book, you already kind of knew Jordan was an asshole, which... That's fine. I feel like I, you didn't need to read the book to know that. Yeah. No, yeah. No. If, I, I feel like most people in Chicago knew that he was an asshole. I think it's – well, I should say an asshole to his teammates. And, and just – he had a competitive streak that came across as him being an asshole. But there were also times where he seemed like a 
nice dude. Like I, I don't think I, he's. I don't think he was an asshole to Rodman, for or or really Pippen. And I think I remember learning this from reading that Jordan rules because that you had to earn his respect, or you just had to get you had to do something to get him to not look down on you. And once you did that, you were good. But it took a while to get there. Right, which is why he never liked Bill Cartwright because the Cartwright never earned his respect. Meanwhile, they traded Oakley to get Cartwright, and Oakley was like his best friend and his protector. He was his. He was his basically. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Cement, cement, cement hands for Gretzky, Cemento. Uh, oh, Marty McSorley. I think it was Cemento, right? They have Cemento. I'm drawing it. I thought it was Marty McSorley because wasn't Marty McSorley involved in the trade from? Edmonton to LA with Gretzky to hockey reference. We go not even what two minutes in. We're already, yeah, we're already going sideways. Uh, yeah, this, this is Cartwright this looks is, like a, a guy who just like dominates his church league basketball league. <laughs> it's, it's interesting seeing like a few highlights that had Bill Wennington in them. Just cause if you saw Bill Wennington walking down the street, other than the fact that he's seven feet tall, you wouldn't think, Oh, that guy was a professional athlete. Like, he was, like, throwing down some hoops and stuff. I'm like, you know, he, he could play. I feel like that's the same thing with NHL players, too. They can just, like, walk around and you're like – some of them you're like, oh, you definitely played pro sports of some sort. But then there's other guys where you're like, just like a normal dude. Maybe missing a, a tooth or two, but – Yeah, I think all the well, – talking like, about the Between uh, – between hockey players and soccer players, I think those are the two professional athletes that tend to look the most, quote, normal. Like you were talking about that look like actual civilians. I think uh, football players especially are – some of them are just so obscenely large, not only tall, but just like width and just everything about them is massive. And then uh, even like baseball players are starting to get pretty huge. Like like they're, they're obviously working out a lot more. So And basketball players are all like – you think Steve Kerr is short, because he was always next to Jordan and Pippen, who were six six and six seven, or like Luke Longley was like seven foot. Kerr's like six two, like he's tall. He's he's I believe that's an above average height, but he just it looks like well two. above average. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near six two. I would be happy to be within shouting distance of six two, but I am not. I'm like Chris Paul looks like the shortest person on earth, but that's only because he's six foot and everybody else is like at least six three. Yeah, I mean like the closest person that. Uh, the most normal-looking NBA player is Muggsy Bogues. He, he or Spud Webb. And, and Shepard, like, going back to our, our tangent from two minutes ago, Dave Semenko was one of the tomato cans, or what do you call them, cement cans? Cement hands. Cement hands, there you go. Definitely one of those guys in the Gretzky era in Edmonton, but Marty McSorley was involved in the trade. And I think the idea was that he was Gretzky's bodyguard. I think Semenko's career kind of died out. And McSorley's was still going. Like, Semenko's last game was in 88 in Toronto. McSorley played through 95. So that's why I guess McSorley's career was still going. And he was traded with, with Gretzky to L.A. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. We've already solved one mystery. Any other mysteries we're going to come up with before we, <laughs> before we get going on all this? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I, we, 
we're only, we're only like five minutes in and there's, there's not a lot going on. As, as I mentioned at the top, we're kind of in a, after last week's big news with the Blackhawks firing team president and CEO, John McDonough, it's been a very quiet week. Uh, not, nothing at all has happened really because, you know, we're in the middle of this hockey list void and nothing's really happened from a league perspective. There's been like chatter about having the draft before the season ends, but that just sounds like chatter and not anything concrete enough for us to even approach it in discussion because I think the NHL is kind of like us. We don't know what the hell's going on right now in the exterior world. There's uh, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm seeing some tweets pop up about uh, major league baseball kind of inching towards a potential July 1st thing. Like that date's being floated as a possible start date. Um, But as far as the return of the NHL, we got nothing. So one thing we do have that we can discuss briefly we want to talk about some of the potential candidates that could come up to replace John McDonough as the Blackhawks team president and CEO based off. Well, first off, you have to decide what exactly that job title is going to be because there's no guarantee. It'll be the exact same position. And then we can discuss whether that candidate will come from within the organization, whether they're going to reach outside, whether they're going to get a former player to do it. Um, there's a few angles to discuss here. And since Brandon Kane did, all of the heavy lifting on our website at secondcityhockey.com. I'll let him have the floor. And is there any player, either either person from inside the organization, outside the organization, who would be, I mean, maybe not at the top of your list, but who are some of the names that were the most intriguing that you came across? Yeah, so I divided it up into in-house, outside, and then outside candidates that were players. And as far as in-house, the name that stuck out to me was Al McIsaac. He's been in the organization before McDonough, and he kind of worked his way up along with um, Bowman. So there is that relationship there, but it's just a matter of, do you just firmly put him in the business role because he was on both the business and hockey side so far? Or do you just elevate someone like Pete Hassan, who's the VP of marketing, and he would just be strictly business, I would assume. Um, So those were two in-house names. And then outside, it seems like it might just be a push from people that they want Mike Gillis back in the NHL, Mm -hmm. the former Canucks president and GM. He's just a very different character, I guess you could say, very open-minded to where he might want a team to play positionless hockey where, you know, your defensemen are down by the goal line. You know, if they can handle the puck, why not? I guess would be his thinking on that. And then another outside candidate that interests me a lot would be Darren Yorkie, the director of player personnel from the Hurricanes. He's been in charge of their draft of late. Everything I saw within the past three, four years, very high marks in their drafting to the point where they have players that other teams see as, Oh, like this guy might be able to crack our top six or top four, but Carolina's like, well, we don't have any room. Like we got to trade this kid. So that's a positive sign. Um, and I guess Bill Zito too, but it's just a matter of if he's willing to move his family from Columbus back to Chicago because I know his wife, I think it was his wife, um, 
was going through cancer treatments two years ago, I think it was. So um, a little bit of a, you know, personal decision on his part, if he were to want to take that leap and kind of uproot his life, but everyone would have to do that if they were from the outside. And a former player, I feel like Doug Wilson's like the runaway option on that with his time with the Sharks and them only missing the playoff once and drafting, I guess, fairly well. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's put together a team in San Jose, maybe couldn't quite get over the hump, but it's not for... Lack of effort. Yeah, I yeah. I, I don't think it's like an organizational, like bad front office scouting or whatever. It seems like things that have happened on the ice that have kept San Jose from winning the cup. I have to go back to the Mike Gillis thing because every time I hear Mike Gillis's name, I laugh and point and laugh because he ran the Canucks in the early, he was the GM for the Canucks that you, as you mentioned, when the Hawks Canucks rivalry was at its peak and anybody involved in that organization at that time, I probably hated them. And I still laugh because they never won anything. And I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that the Hawks always beat them. And I was trying to remember, I thought he said he did something really stupid and really dumb in that, in that time frame. And all I can find is that before Game 7 in 2011, which is the only time the Canucks actually beat the Hawks in the playoffs, he complained about the officiating, saying the refs were one-sided and they weren't calling enough penalties against the Hawks, which, I don't know, a general manager whining to the press about officiating isn't something I would call ideal for someone in the organization to be doing, but I guess that's, uh, I don't know. I, I have a, a, an aversion to, I don't even know if that's the word aversion. I don't know. I am totally against the idea of Mike Gillis irrationally because of him being associated with those Canucks teams. I don't know how well those Canucks teams were built. I mean, they were pretty good, but they basically grabbed the Sedin brothers in one draft in like the around the turn of the century and then how many other great pieces did they really have outside of the Sadines? Like great pieces. Beret. Pavel Beret? Yeah. I mean, he was, around, he was like around their beginning, right around the beginning of their careers. He wasn't around Well, later. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it, I, I think the, the thing you want as a general manager is, is an ability to identify talent and then get that talent in the organization and then develop it and, Outside yeah. of the Sadine brothers, I mean, there were some decent players. Like, I guess Ryan Kessler Nasty. would be one you'd have to say. I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm trying to yeah. give some credentials also, to Mike Gillis, and I just don't want to. Wasn't Gillis also the guy behind the expansion draft recently? Didn't he didn't, – wasn't he the guy who developed the, the rules? Sure. I have no idea. I, I don't know about that. Um, I, think, I know he – I think – I think I've heard his name mentioned as that in the past few years. I don't know. I know he signed Dan Hampus to their yeah. team. That yeah, was a, and, a big acquisition for them at that time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're going through his history. Like he took over. Like when he let uh, he let Captain Marcus Naslin walk, and he let Brendan Morrison walk. He brought in Matt Sundin, who was kind of an aging player, like still a decent player, but certainly not like prime Toronto Maple Leafs Matt Sundin at that point. And uh, he took over in 2008. And then he was fired in 2014. So I guess they had decent teams, but like the Sedins were already there. Are there any players I'm trying to think if there are any players that 
he identified and brought into the organization. It, it, it gets into like the, the Dale Talon, Stan Bowman debate that when here's a line straight from Wikipedia. So I guess cite the source and all that, but Gillis, uh, it's mentioned here. The Sedin twins, Ryan Kessler, Alex Burrows, Alex Adler, Roberto Luongo and Corey Schneider were already in the organization when Gillis took over from Dave Nonis. Hmm. So, eh, I don't know, but uh, Doug Wilson's, I could, I could get on board with the Doug Wilson hire. Uh, what about Ron Hextall? I know you mentioned him in the article, and I know Shepard's discussed him in the past. Yeah. Uh, like one, thing with, one thing with Wilson is his son is their director of player personnel, so he probably comes along with him. May not necessarily be a bad idea if he's, yeah. if he's, as good, if he's good at the job. So that could be your, like, president, GM, father-son duo. And then you have the chairman and the VP father-son duo with the words. The, 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 Chicago, the words, the words is the Chicago nepotisms. <laughs> Something uh, like that. I'll let Shepard talk about Hextall. I, I really, really like Hextall. I'm going to stray to Wilson for a second, then I'll come back to Hextall. Wilson has a, recently come up with the same problem that Blackhawks have found themselves in where they keep signing former star players to bad contracts. Look at Yarl Carlson. Look at Mark Edward Vlasic. Look at Brent Burns. Uh, it, it's not – it, it uh, is a scary coincidence that it's all defensemen, like the Blackhawks seem to be finding themselves in. Um, I don't want that in the organization anymore. If we're getting rid of Stan Bowman ever, or if he's getting promoted upstairs to get away from players, that's probably why is that Seabrook contract. Why would we invite that in with a guy who has a has a bigger record of that? But uh, Hextall doesn't have that. Hextall has a record of actually building teams to succeed, rebuilding teams. Ron Hextall gets hockey. Uh, he ha- understands analytics. And I really like Ron Hextall's sort of GM-ship of the Flyers. He's brought in a lot of players in that organization um, that are helping them, like Connect Me and... Uh, Blanking on their defenseman's name, um, Ivan Provorov. Provorov, and then the the other guy. Uh, they're really uh, Sandheim. Yeah, both of those guys are his. Like Hextall has a great record in the draft. Hextall never made like a horrible signing. I and Andrew McDonald, for the record, was before his time. Um, Hextall is the guy I think the Blackhawks need as GM. I don't necessarily see him in that president of hockey ops or president role yet. I would be partial to anybody from the Hurricanes organization because it seems like they keep churning out good young defensive talent. So Darren York that you mentioned in your article, Brandon, I would be, I don't I, I think feel like anybody associated with Carolina Hurricanes is somebody I would be in favor of because it seems like they're something within that organization. They know how to identify young defensive talent that can skate and play a two-way game that is on par with the way the game is going right now. Bringing him in probably wouldn't change the mindset of the scouting because if anyone has looked up Carolina's recent draft history, they love Finns. Like, I feel like they have a house there where all their scouts (laughs) live and they're just like, what game are we going to go to today? Um, And that's just like their mindset. (laughs) How long have you been working on your Finnish accent? Like two minutes. 
Uh, sorry, go on. I just had to point that out. But other than that, I feel like that York could bring in a, you know, storm of change into the organization. Yeah, well, I see, I see, I see the. Yeah, I should have known that was coming at some point, right? Storm of change, so like a good one. Maybe then they would have like, I don't know, what would the Blackhawks call a storm surge? I don't know, just bring yeah, fun. Hopefully, in. Ho- hopefully something inoffensive. There's a lot of. It, I, you would have to go with an, an, an alliteration off of Hawks, right? Yeah. The Hawks huddle. Nah, that's stupid. That sounds like a. Didn't the Bears used to have like a pregame show that was called Bears Huddle or something like that? Probably. That's what. That's what it reminds yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Huddle's a football word. That doesn't work for well. I don't. Know. We'll. Uh, yeah, Brandon, work Hawks on that huddle. and work on that and come back to us next week. We'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> what about if the guys just do herkies on the ice? That might be bad, but it'd be entertaining. Sure. Why not? Hawks heroes and they honor the three best players of the game. When they do that. It's called three stars. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so they just change the name of that. Oh, just change the name. Do you have a, another pick at all, Dave? Hey, I mean the Doug Wilson one. Here. The Doug Wilson one seems interesting. And then I guess the the inside the organization. Uh, there's there's one I I, I, ha- I feel like we should address because I mean, and I think it was because of a Jay Zawoski tweet where he said Jay Zawoski mentioned on Twitter that a bunch of teams had reached out about hiring Eddie Olchek in their organization, and I when I saw that my immediate response was please God no or something like that like, and I, I want to be I want to be fair to Eddie Olchek like he had. He was given – all right, here, here. I found the tweet from Zawaski. Sources tell me that at least four <laughs> NHL teams have reached out to Eddie Olchek about potential hockey apps leadership roles over the last 16 months, including Philly. It's believed that Olchek would be very interested in the Chicago job if offered. So, uh, obviously, he has a ton of playing experience. He coached in Pittsburgh at the very – early stages of the Sidney Crosby era when that team was god-awful. Olchek coached 113 games and won 31 of them. Not good. And to my knowledge, he has never been in the front office anywhere. Right, Brandon? That is correct. So why would you want to hire him as your team president slash CEO? Why, why would you immediately want to put him at, at the top of the food? If he talks about hockey, he must be smart and hockey. Man, I right. Eddie Ocho seems like a good a good guy. Uh, you know, I'm I'm happy he was able to beat the the cancer issues he had. He's back on the air. Uh, I know we sometimes trash him and Foley because they're all the shout outs and random tangents they take while the game's going on. But I I don't so I, I don't like make this like sound like a personal thing. I just I don't think that's a role you want Eddie Olchek doing in your organization, especially when you listen to him talk during games. Every now and then he reverts back to that 1980s hockey mentality of uh, got to have fighters or got to have people on the ice that can stand up for your teammates and all that bullshit that hasn't worked in the league for at least 20 years, if not more. And I feel like putting that guy in charge of your organization would be a horrible idea. So here's, here's what works. Probably the same logic that's that make people keep coming back to Pierre, by the way, as GM. 
Uh, Wirtz said when they announced the firing, a new mindset to successfully transition the organization to win both on and off the ice. And Olchek repeatedly says on the broadcast, I don't care what the analytics say, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I feel like that is quite the opposite of what is being said by Rocky Words. Okay. Well, that, does that, that mean that's... that he, like, Olchek could be like a advisor and be fine? Probably. But like you said, Dave, in a president's role of being in charge of the hockey operations, a hard pass. Yeah, if you if you want to give him a job, absolutely. I mean, he he played hockey. He's gonna know more than the average Joe, I'm sure. He, he probably knows a shit ton more than I ever will. But it's it's you you can't put a guy straight in the president role if he's never had any experience in the uh, in any other position in that field. We're still talking about hockey here. Yeah, and there's guys like Iserman and Sackick who were like directors of player personnel or like VPs before they took over at the top of the organization. Right. So, And it feels like the Blackhawks have one of those. He's just way too young and not retired yet. Uh, and um, Jonathan Taves. Jonathan, it feels like a, a role Jonathan Taves will be destined to take over one uh, soon, but not right now, hopefully. I for sure thought you were going to say Connor Murphy. Not, not, I'm not that much of a Murphy stan yet. <laughs> yeah, he's <yeah>. – <laughs> Give no, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about Connor Murphy's potential front office career because I need him on the ice. Because the Blackhawks need defensemen who can play hockey. The Blackhawks need him in front of cameras because that's all they're doing with him right now. They're like, "Oh, here's a charity event. Connor Murphy, go." <laughs> to be fair, he's 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 somewhat charismatic, and he he was their uh, hockey as everyone rep this year. So and that's true. It was so. Like side story on that. When they had their hockeys for everyone night, everyone forgot about it. And <laughs> Jesus. Like everyone in media. And when we went into the room, Connor Murphy just sat in his stall. And I think he was like expecting people to come talk to him and no one did. And he just got up and he was like, have a good day guys. And just like walked to the back. <laughs> it's just like, and everyone was like, what was up with Murphy? And then I was like, Oh yeah, it's like because uh, I don't know. Like they normally do, like a normal situation where they give like some spiel about how it's important and maybe like a connection as to why they do it, and that's what's done like the morning of that game or like the day before. And I guess we'll never know until next year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I feel- Go ahead, Shepard. No, you go. I was going to say, like, the number of players on the Blackhawks roster that have a – that seem interesting is very small. Like, and maybe there's more to them. Maybe they're, like, shy in front of the camera. But, like, they're, they're – the way the organization is, they're so restrictive of everybody. Like, you don't know – you don't know, like, how these guys are in front of the cameras because the Blackhawks never seem to put a lot of guys out in front of the cameras – the same three or four Brandon I don't know if you've had that experience because you've actually been down interviewing the guys but I mean how many of them are like have any sort of like charisma to them when you're talking to them Connor uh, Murphy is one yeah Murphy's one probably Gilbert and Debrinkit and I feel like Gilbert probably was only because he was like probably not going to stay up here so I'm going to be like super nice more than normal 
to break it, like I remember listening to him when he did an interview radio or a radio hit on the score a year or two ago. And he said absolutely nothing interesting. He was on for like five, 10 minutes. I don't remember who was interviewing him, but as soon as he hung up, they made some vague reference to, well, he's never coming back on the air because he didn't, it was just all like <laughs> genuine robotic, boring answers that you, all the cliches you usually get from hockey players. I don't know. Maybe he's gotten better at it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, I guess it was still early in his career. So maybe he'll, as he'll grow up, he'll, he'll get more uh, comfortable doing, being interviewed and such, but I don't know. Should we just transition this into like which Blackhawks player you'd like to be quarantined with? Cause I feel like that's a national transition right here. Well, Wait, one, I think that once, one second and then we can, cause I would like to mention a name you didn't mention in your articles that I think would be perfect for the role of president. Go for and it. That, and that is George McPhee. If they can somehow steal George McPhee out of Vegas, they need to do it. Um, hey, and he knows, then, he's, he's been in every role basically like since his beginning in Washington. Uh, he understands the game. He understands like how to build a team clearly. Uh, he built it out as basically spare parts uh, or everybody thought so. Turns out he actually had a great abundance to him. Um, oh, and he, he also like game. robbed and tortured Dale Talon in Florida. Well, okay, but that was also Dale Talon's fault. <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. and isn't that if we does isn't that something we want instead of like and then don't have is somebody able to rob and torture? I kinda like that. Um I mean that would be fun. And yeah, if there and, was and, ever and, a fight like, to the death among NHL GMs, George McPhee would win. Known Known to throw a good haymaker from time to time, and he fits. Uh, he fits the mentality that Wirtz mentioned that win on and off the ice. Vegas has been one of the most successful fan bases, and they've been around what three years. Yeah, no, I, 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 there, there's no better PR than winning. So, so there's that. Yeah. It's like when the Avalanche moved to Colorado from Quebec, and they immediately they brought like one of the best assembles uh, best most talented rosters that's ever been assembled and brought it to a fresh market and had an amazing rivalry with the Red Wings and won a couple cups. And of course the fans were addicted. Everybody loves yeah. a winner. And you mentioned the, the young defensive talent. He's got an eye for that too. Again, my favorite defenseman in the NHL, Jay Theodore. His, there you go. He was like, Hey, Anaheim, give me him and we'll take whatever you want off your roster, um, which is the correct choice. Quickly. Like and, I don't, Brandon, I don't know if you've gotten any inkling from this or if Shepard, if you guys have a hunch, like it doesn't feel like the Hawks are going to be hiring a new president anytime soon. Does it? No. It feels like more like a month's thing, not a week's thing. Yeah. But whenever the decision on when the draft happens, I feel like then you have to like just pounce and do it. Well, yeah, you definitely want a president in charge before the draft. Yeah, I, I, that would if you, that, yeah, that role should be filled by the draft. Just God knows when that draft's going to be at this rate. So, all right, well, you know what, I, Brandon, I like your idea about which Blackhawks player you'd want to be quarantined with. So, when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to hop into that, and I have a quick aside before we get into that conversation related to one of the players we were just talking about, and we'll uh, dive into that right on the other side of this break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as we were discussing briefly before the break, uh, there was a little game. Well, I guess this is ongoing series between Alex DeBrinket and Drake Kajula playing NHL 20 against each other. And I guess the game today, uh, DeBrinket was losing, tied it with 2.6 seconds left, and then won in overtime. So good for him. I don't know what the, the series is. I, I don't honestly know what the deal is. It seems like they're doing this with a lot of teams, I guess. But anyway, I saw the stat line. I don't know if you guys saw the stat line, but I thought this was just just chef's kiss quality. So the total hits in this game, DeBrinket's team had 11. Drake Kajulis had 32. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that messes up. Alice DeBrinket's team was four for five on the power play. So what I'm getting what? out of this is the third slash fourth line grinder was just trying to take people's heads off couldn't stay out of the box and Alex Zabrinkit, the top line score was just lining him up on the scoreboard. And I don't think you could have a better summation <laughs> of different NHL mindsets that exist among players than that scoreline reveals. That is abs- That is poetic. That is perfect. I don't know. You can't do it any better than that. Also, Alex Zabrinkit having four power play goals and then still being tied, being behind Kajula with 2.6 seconds left. Oh, yeah. Is amazing. Something about Alex to bring it in four play, uh, four power play goals in a game. There's a joke there. Write it yourself. I don't need to tell it for you. Does Alex to bring it have four power play goals this season? He only had power play goals. What are you talking about? To hockey reference, we go. I, I it's been a while. I, it's been two months since I've seen a Blackhawks game. I forgot. All, all he couldn't see. He, he really couldn't score even strength. He was only scoring on the power play for a while there. He had he has ten yeah, ten power play goals. Okay. Ten and eighteen on the season. So he had eight even yeah, just eight even strength. Yeah, that's that's not great, Bob. No. No. But anyway, the other thing we want to dive into. Oh, hang on. I found another stat line. Well, first off, Drake Kajula beat Andrew Shaw eleven to three. Ooh. Jesus. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Kajula had 19 penalty minutes in that game. He must have had someone get tossed because uh, Shaw only had four power plays. He must have had someone get a five-minute major and get tossed. But uh, the, the stat line, the stat lines are, are it's a lot closer. Like Kajula outshot him 25 to 21, out hit 28 to 15, out one faceoffs 21 to eight. But Kajula had 19 penalty minutes to Shaw's two. But yeah, 11 to three. <laughs> Like did Shaw, no, he. Uh, oh, Shaw apparently blamed his internet. Well, naturally, we we can all relate to playing video games with a laggy internet connection, I suppose. At least those of us that play games on the internet. I don't know if people do that anymore. Anyway, uh, so what were we going to talk about? Oh yeah, the the quarantine thingy. Blackhawks players you want to be quarantined with? Shepard, Brandon, if, if you guys want to take this one, I I am still mulling this over in my head. So. Uh, uh, if Brenda doesn't have an answer, I'll answer. Go ahead, uh, Jonathan Taves. John, Jonathan Taves. What, what makes you say that? 
we would agree on most things politically, which I, I think is something I can more say more confidently about Taves than I can anybody else on that team. Um, and that's something that's important to me. Uh, B, he's, I don't mind somewhat boring. He, he doesn't seem, he, actually, Taves doesn't seem boring. He, Taves seems reserved. I don't mind a little bit reserved. C, he doesn't have a family to worry about. And that's ideal. All right. Well, good, good answer. Good answer. I feel like we're playing Family Feud. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Brandon, what about you? So I'm going off the board on this, and I'm saying Slater Cuckoo. Okay. Because explain. I know Slater Cuckoo can cook because I sent out a tweet about this very question, and his aunt replied with like this dessert thing that he made. And then I think there was some reference to like quarantine again a few weeks later, and she showed up again with like something else he made. And I was like, well, if I get quarantined with him, I know that he can make food and I'll survive. And I feel like he has enough of personality where we could get along. And he probably has some like fun stories from being in the lightning organization and like the comparison to being with the Blackhawks now. So that would be interesting. I'm trying to scroll back and find this tweet of yours so I can see this meal that Slater Cuckoo allegedly prepared. It was like a, like a cheesecake dish or something like that that he made for their Thanksgiving. I don't remember. So, so how long ago did this all transpire? I don't know. I've sent off many dumb tweets in between that time. So it's probably way down there, but there's some obvious answers or some, I mean, the thing, Jonathan Taze was on a podcast like four years ago and I don't know how many, it was a very random one that I I'm Googling it. It's called, uh, it talked about human optimization and it's, it's, I, I, don't really know how to describe it, but it's four years old. But if you could track it down yourself, he's a lot more of an interesting person than he portrays himself in the media after random games where he's got 36 microphones in his face. Um, so Shepard's Shepard's answer is a pretty good one, but obviously I can't pick the same guy Shepard did because that would be boring. Um, I just dropped the picture. I found it. I did, and it, it does look delicious, although – it looks like just some like Target brand cherry filling. I feel like he can do better than that. It's also like Canada, so I don't know what he's working with. <laughs> what do they not, do they not have grocery stores in Canada? <laughs> no, they don't. I don't know what you got like working in. I don't somewhere in Ontario. Maybe it's close to Ottawa. I'm not sure, but who knows? I mean, he's a he's an NHL player, so he goes home. He probably doesn't have like many groceries. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's tough to find some other answers here because like, first of all, I feel like there's the majority of these NHL players are significantly younger than me now. So obviously like, that's a good point. I wouldn't want to be quarantined with any 19 year old right now. So Kirby docs an absolute no. And Adam Boquist is the same answer. And Andrew Shaw would just annoy the shit out of you. So he's a no. Yeah. Drake Kajula a little less. So I feel like he could be Alex Newlander, absolutely not, because I'm not making any goddamn Instagram dance videos. <laughs> Come on, Dave. Maybe <laughs> uh, I just I scrolled through my list. You know what? I would go off the board. I feel like Colin Delia would be an interesting person, just because he's he's from California, 
So he has a much he doesn't have that like Canadian hockey player stereotype of just being everything so regimented and all about hockey. He has a very he's like almost like like a Ron Swanson type. And I say that mainly because of the leather is it leather that he works with or woodworking? It's leather. Leather. There you go. So, yeah, I think Colin Delia would be my answer because goalies are always weird, which makes them more interesting. And so, yeah, I feel like Colin Delia would be an interesting person just to sit and talk to because I would have no idea what would come out of his mouth any given uh, every couple of minutes. So there you go. There's my answer. Colin Delia. Yeah, you went, like, way off the board on that. Yeah, but I respect I it. Yeah, well, like I'm, scroll- I'm scrolling down the Blackhawks roster, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like – uh, Shepard's point about like the ones that have kids, like yeah, I couldn't couldn't deal. I don't have any kids of my own, so I'm not going to be quarantined with somebody else's kids. Hell no. Oh god, yeah, no, that's a no. But Delia does have a kid on the way. Uh, well, I, I I don't have a better answer. <laughs> Jeremy Colleton, then yeah, then we'll. Uh... By the way, did you see that? I think it was it was one of the athletic guys, either Powers or Lazarus, but somebody asked. Colleton about his glasses and why he does or does not wear them during a game. Yeah, I think it was he. It was he. He wears them for the morning skate and then not the game or the other way around. Yeah, which I did not. I did not. I did not think that there was actually a a rhyme or reason for it. I figured it was just whether or not he felt like wearing the glasses that night, or whether or not he decided to put in contacts that night. The fact that there was actually a legitimate reason for why he did or did not wear his glasses was something I did not expect. And then there was also, it was Laz who wrote it. And then there was also the like, David Camp has the Deathly Hollows uh, little logo deal on his stick. Right. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend read them and made me read them too. And I've read them in both Czech and English. I was like, Good God, that guy must love to read. Yeah, that's I haven't. I that's have a not lot. Read, yeah, I, I have not read either one of them. But that's like what seven, eight books now, and he mm. read them in two languages. That's, yeah, I guess it's probably. You know what? Maybe maybe that's who I should quarantine with. I hang out with David Comp because then we can just hang out and just talk about the books we've read. Maybe, maybe he's there. I go and a great first name, of course. Well, I know his yeah. wife is like super into CrossFit, so like you'd get yeah, in. Never mind. You just talked me out of it. Dave's <laughs> <laughs> like working exerciser in this shit. Come on. Most people are like worried about like the quarantine fifteen, and you're just embracing it. So, uh, I'm actually I'm happy to report I'm actually like I've pretty much maintained during this whole thing. So, which is a miracle in itself. Shepard, what about you? We'll, we'll talk about the quarantine 15 now. The, the COVID-19? I, uh, I, I exercise nearly every day, so hopefully... Oh, it's fucking over... Up. Sorry. <laughs> Try Sorry, I've gained like five pounds. It's fine. I'm good with it. Don't you go running every day? No, not every day. There's like a string there where I was just like, I'm just gonna lay around and watch a whole series of Netflix and like or a whole series on Netflix in like two days. So have you have, have either one of you guys like picked up a new talent or done something new? I know Shepard, you're writing a thesis, so that's probably 
not the best question for you, but is there any, like I saw, I remember when this whole thing started two months ago, there was so much discussion about, or so many articles about like, you know, learn a new talent or, or do a new project or like do something with this time. And we're not like two months into this. And I'm just like, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm just happy to make it through the days and not lose my mind. And that is it. Have you guys been able to, I don't know, can you, any you guys play guitar now? No, I think the only thing I do is I look at my phone and see what day it actually is. And that's like my new hobby. So I actually know what day it is. Shepard, what about you? I, I imagine the thesis has taken up most of your time, but. Uh, the thesis has taken up most of my time, but I'm also learning how to do spray paint art and I'm reading a lot more um, and just spending my time doing those, that, uh, those two things and then exercising. See, that's, that's a very good answer. I've watched more Netflix and Hulu and just just television series in the last couple of months than I think I have in the rest of my life combined. I mean, now's the time for it. You can't really it's do true. anything else. You're, this is like, that's, that's you being responsible. Well, th- thank you. That, that, gives me, that gives me justification to continue doing it because I was going to do it anyway. Like, I've, I so think I was in... I think I was in season six of Cheers. I'm now up to season eight. It's like 25 episodes a season. So, oh, yeah. God. Th- yeah, oh, God. There's so many episodes of Cheers. I wish I had known <laughs> that when I started this. I'm uh, almost done with season eight. There's 11, uh, 11 seasons. And like I said, like 25 episodes a season roughly. So, I'm thinking by this fall, I think I'll finish Cheers, which I- I'm not going to be proud of when I do. But it is – it's kind of it's kind of – Bums me out though, because every time I watch it, you're watching people at a bar hanging out together, and you're just like, "Oh, I remember when we could do that." It is a great show, though. Highly recommend if you if you're looking like maybe don't watch the entire series like I am, but just put on some random episodes. It's not like you need. There's not a lot of deep plots going on. Like you can pick up what's going on between the characters rather quickly. Um, so does it have they, less of a plot them? than Seinfeld? Uh... I think slightly more of a plot than Seinfeld because there's more like there's some like long-term relationships and marriages that get started. Like to my knowledge, Seinfeld didn't have like anything of that nature. Right. Like no one got yeah. married on Seinfeld. Right. No. Well, George did, but then he oh, lost yeah. his wife like the same season. Okay. So yeah. Spoiler. So, there, there's more. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, so, there's some. Five years old. I also uh, started watching the handmaid's tale, which is on Hulu. I do not recommend that for people if you are it's it's a very odd time to be watching a show where civilization in the United States falls apart. So if that idea kind of scares you with the things that are going on right now, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Other than that, it's a it's pretty um I'm not trying to I don't know what the word is for it. It's intense, I say. It's a very intense show and there's a lot going on with it. But uh yeah, but dystopian futures are kind of my thing, so it falls under the category of a lot of things I've watched. Any other shows or anything else you guys have watched? Well, Shepard, we know you haven't watched much, but Brandon, have you seen anything good? Nothing new. I still have to watch the latest season of Better Call Saul. That's mm. been like something that I should have done last week, I guess, but just put it off. I make it sound like I'm like required to do it, but... <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, I, th- I think that would be a good time to uh, put a bow on this one and uh, set it off to wherever it is it goes before it makes its way to the internet. 
So thank you very much to everyone's listening to this. Uh, if you made it all the way to the end, uh, I'm sorry, but thank you. <laughs> and uh, we'll hopefully be back next week and talk about, I don't know, episode seven and eight of the Last Dance series. Uh, maybe Shepard will catch up so we can join in the conversation. Um, maybe we'll talk about Alistair Brinkett kicking the shit out of Andrew Shaw in hockey games. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll figure something out. Or maybe we'll just sit and talk about Netflix shows that we've been watching. Or I'll uh, regale you with all the great stories I've seen on Cheers. Who knows? Um, but thanks again for listening to this episode. Stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. If anything comes up, we will – well, I say we. It'll probably be Brandon. Brandon will probably write about it. Um, Shepard and I might pop up from time to time and write some things too. You never know. We're, we like to keep people on their toes these days. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned there. Keep an eye out on all the social medias. Rate and review this. If you know if you're bored, you want to leave us a five star rating on iTunes. We'd totally appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that's about it for Shepard, for Brandon. I'm your host, Dave Melton. Uh, thanks again for listening, and stay home. Wash your hands. Stay safe, and go Hawks.